Create options. Money is its optionality. You know, it's yeah. it's um I, I think of money and it's not good or it's not bad. It's a completely amoral, completely neutral force that people are gonna maximize for whatever really speaks to them. And and so it creates that optionality in your life. It's not gonna buy you happiness. Uh, it's better to have it than not have it, but it does buy you options. Anybody that thinks that financial resources don't buy them options is not paying attention because <laughs> it definitely does. That's well put. Um, it's, it's a like you said, it's a resource. Um, yeah. I, I think you use that word. Um, and I, I like to think of water and fire and how, you know, fire sounds scary to most people, but that's, that's what this thing is. Um, yeah. you know, and I'm touching it. There's nothing scary about it. It's just a resource and how I use it depends on how it affects my life. And yeah. finances are the same way. Um, so, Having having somebody to advise you that pays attention to it all the time, um, you know, and that's their career is, um, and I'm a, I'm a big big advocate of that reality. So, what are what are some of the best financial tips that you can give us? Yeah, I think it's- all right. Welcome in to Vision Pros Live with Jackson Callum. I'm your show host. We will be doing interviews for visionary entrepreneurs and guest leaders who are building fantastic visions out there. Hey, what's up, Vision Pros? Welcome into another episode. My name is Jackson Callum, founder and CEO of First Class Business. I'm excited to have Brent Mikosh on the show today. Uh, Brent is a financial advisor based out of Arizona, and he's going to unlock every financial reality, every step-by-step what you should be doing with your finances. I'm just kidding. He can't do that. He doesn't know you personally. So we're going to be talking about the principles. And I hope that those of you who are listening pay attention well to those principles because if you can find somebody in your life who aligns with your principles and your style, um, not that thinks exactly like you, but that has the same types of virtues, you're likely going to get advice that's more aligned with what it is that you do in life. So we'll be talking about how to how how he goes about weaving purpose into financial advisory um, in just a minute. Before we do that, we got a couple of sponsors to talk about, people that I'm a big fan of, systems I'm a big fan of. ColdClick is a system that we use. We use it for LinkedIn automation. In fact, I think that's probably how we met Brent um, is through this system where it's connecting us to great people. And, you know, it's funny. I, I hear people say the word, the words bad lead. Um, you know, I'm a marketer, so I've been accused many times of many things. Um, one, one of those is sending people bad leads. Well, I can't send people bad human beings. You may not know how to work with the person. You may not know what to do with them. But at the top of the funnel is distribution. And yes, you got a target audience. But there's going to be people who fall into that. And your opportunity is to know, how do I respect this person enough to value their time and say, hey, you know what? This isn't a good fit. But uh, you're probably, you know, if you're looking for this, you might go to Anthony or Betty or Tim, right? Give them a, a referral. They might actually reciprocate if you just stop calling people bad leads. They're people, they're human beings. Anyway, LinkedIn automation, great tool, allows you to connect with a lot of great people. And the right people who are in the right moment will connect with you in the right way if your message um, has has done anything to gather their attention. Simply Fast Websites. Um, this is something that I wish I had found, or, or really it didn't exist, so I couldn't have found it. But I spent a lot of time and a lot of money trying to build up websites. I contacted a lot of web developers and 
and web designers. I had to learn the difference between the two. I had to learn about UX and UI. Um, there was so much to learn. And I spent thousands of dollars and hundreds of hours on the process of creating my first several websites. Now, it didn't start with the thousands of dollars, by the way. It started with all that time. If I had had something like Simple, Simply Fast Websites, where it's 179 bucks to get your first website, the smartest thing I could have done is probably said, hey, Shane, send me your form. I'll send you back the info. I'm doing the 179 version. Nothing more. I love you, dude. Um, go ahead and go ahead and hook me up with that first website. And I wouldn't judge my website versus Nike.com. It's it's not going to start that way. But if I could have just gotten started that simply, I could have focused my efforts on more productive activities for profitability rather than trying to to interview 20 people for for website help. Um, then there's the water project. The water project is something that um, is so easy to overlook um, because we have access to water every day. We don't think about it, but there are millions of people in the world who do not have access to it. Um, and when you see the pictures of these children who have uh, this guy sad um, because he doesn't have access to it, but the ones who get access to it, they look like kids in Christmas. And that kind of breaks my heart. And at the same time, it gives me a lot of purpose and saying, you know what? I have the power to do something about this. So whether it's giving a dollar to one of these communities, $10,000, or just sharing this, if I'm not in the, in the capacity to give so that other people have the opportunity to help out, um, you know, what would, what would happen to, you know, these, these tribes, these communities and, and, uh, little towns, if, if every American just gave $1, um, and that's, over 300 million that would be insane um and and so cool and we would we would have a very big impact on a on a continental economy um so we do have the ability to give more and an impact more than we realize uh, my my request to you is if you're not in a position to do that or you think there's a better uh cause to be giving to just drop it in the and drop the link in the comments we're not gonna judge you for that uh i think it's it's great. We, we have lots of things that we need to be doing to help people raise up their lives. So uh, thanks for hearing me out on that. Without further ado, I'm going to bring uh, Brent on the show. Let's do that. Brent, welcome to Vision Pros Live, my friend. Hey, Jackson. How are you doing today? Oh, I'm doing amazing. I get to I get to interview yet another visionary. Um, and that's like they, these are these are just they, they blow my mind. I get to learn so much in this process. You know, I loved your intro there, the water project, man. I've spent a lot of time in some crazy parts of the world and you have no idea what a blessing and a gift that is to have like abundant, clean, drinkable water, you know, 10 feet from any of us at any given time. It's, that's, a, that's a phenomenal charity. Absolutely. What's the craziest part of the world you've been to? Um, you know, they're all interesting in their own way, but probably Iran. I was in Iran wow. uh, in 2001. I got back to New York City where I was living at the time on September. Serving in the military? 3rd. No, no, I went there. <laughs> I went there. Uh, the whole reason we went, I had a, a, still a good friend of mine back in New York, and there was a mountain in Iran called Mount Damavand, which is not far from Tehran. And at the time, still no diplomatic relations with Iran. You had to have permission from the Pakistani embassy to go into Iran. You had to have a reason. And so, my friend and I both wanted to go to Iran because we wanted to check it out. And uh, the reason was to go climb that mountain. But remarkable country, a place that, you know, obviously wow. not going to be there now. And uh, I got back to New York City on September 3rd and was downtown on September 11th. And the world really changed after that. No question about it. Absolutely. Wow. Interesting. So uh, 
I, I want to bring you back to talk about these hiking expeditions and unless we end up getting time for it in, in a little bit. So we, we might circle back to that. Uh, my, my question for you, Brent, is who do you feel should be listening today and why should they listen to you? You know, our focus of our business, we serve a number of different clients, but the real focus is business owners, closely held businesses that are looking for a transition, whether it's an internal succession, maybe an outright financial buyer, maybe it's a growth partner. And they're looking to do that in three to five years. And your your podcast and what we're talking about today, I think is so important because, you know, about 70 percent of those owners are they regret their decision. They regret their the decision to transition out of the business to sell the business. And it really comes down to the personal piece. You know, they, they, they don't have a personal vision for their life and they might have realized some financial success that came out of the sale and, and seeing that seeing the numbers in their accounts go up to an area where they felt comfortable, you know, leaving the business and not working, but there wasn't that other piece in place. You know, you've got it. You've got to have a reason to get up in the morning. You've got to have a reason to do what you're doing, whether it's personally or even from, from a business standpoint, particularly from a business standpoint, because that's where we're spending most, most of our lives every day. I mean, let's be honest. Mm, and I think that, you know, I'll double down on that. I think a lot of people, I mean, I'm not, and I'm only 36, but I listen to a, a lot of people who are older. I, my generation are is, is as dumb as me, um, right? That's just the reality. You have to be looking up and ahead. I've seen a lot of business owners who get to that stage and they go through what is commonly called an identity crisis. Yep. Um, you know, and this is same with somebody who's been in a career for 30 years. Um, I think the reality of that crisis now having gotten to 36 um, is the realization that you kind of left your identity behind a long time ago, um, you know, and now this role that became your identity, you're letting that go. But you've like Robin Williams in Pan or Hook, yep. and Hook, you've you forgot who you were. And so you get this opportunity to go back towards that as you know, and that's scary, that's scary. You know, if you're if you don't know who you were and you feel like you lost who you are, that's scary, but it can be a very beautiful thing. Yeah, you, you nailed it there. And, and that's that's something I actually have a little bit of experience with, because prior to getting in this into this side of the business in 07, uh, I spent 10 years on Wall Street uh, trading equities and derivatives for a company that no longer exists called Bear Stearns. But I quit my job and I quit my job. and I traveled for a year. And the one thing and I was really happy to do it. I was burnt from 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 what I was you know doing back with Bear. But um, about two, three months into it, and I traveled for a full year. I didn't realize how much of my own personal identity was was tied into that job that i had you know down on wall street and it was really really unsettling and i was in my early 30s at that point you know, i just turned 50 so it was it wasn't like i had had a 40 or 50 year career i had maybe 10 to 12 really intense years but it wasn't like my entire identity was wrapped up in it but that's true i mean you think about you know what it is we're doing every single day and and uh, we go to work and, and we're doing our thing hopefully hopefully we're doing something we love and i, I think it's tragic if you're not um, but, yeah. uh, when you take that away, it's, it's, something's got to fill that void. If you're not prepared for it, if you haven't given that some serious thought and consideration, something's got to fill that void. Yeah. Something, something ideally better than just alcohol. Um, yeah. for those of you yeah. listen in, there's, there's or a golf. lot of opportunities. Golf's great sport, but man, you can't, that's not, that's not, that's not your life, <laughs> you know? Well said. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, part of, um, is part it, of. it will be a yeah. part of mine, but it is yeah. a small part compared to all the other opportunities. So yep. what's your vision for those that you serve? It really is that, you, you know, and we, we've touched on this a little bit separately in conversations we've had, you know, money itself, financial resources, it's just stored energy. 
It's not good. It's not bad. It's completely amoral. It's completely, you know, it's basically going to enhance whatever it is that's in your, that's important to you. You know, you, you look at how somebody spends their money. I can tell them what's important to them. Um, you know, now I said it's not good or bad, but generally it does buy you a lot of optionality. So, so it's, it's really good. So I think that, um, it's good in that, in that capacity anyway, you're choosing whether that optionality is good or bad, you know, what the outcome is. But I think in terms of, you know, the, the people, the people that we're working with are, if we've done our job right, I think our, our number one goal is to align their, their resources, their financial resources with what their value system is with, with what it is they're trying to create in their own lives. Um, and it's really cool when maybe they haven't given that some thought in the past and we can help walk them through that, then that that's where it gets really exciting. Yeah, I, I appreciate that. And I remember you mentioned that you've, you've pinned a book, um, yeah. about the quest for purpose and, uh, you know, you, you tie that in with, with finances. It's not just a catchy title. Um, you know, that you're like, Hey, for, for vision pros, <laughs> I want to do this title. Um, yeah. you know, but it's there, there's a deeper meaning behind that. Tell me about the book. Yeah, the book actually, it's 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 definitely not a business book. It's not a typical finance book. Um, it really comes, you know, so I spent that obviously that decade down in New York. I was there for 9-11. Uh, I was there for a lot of really crazy stuff that, that had occurred, you know, in, in the side of the business that I was in during that period of time. And when I left in 2006, you know, I, I was not married at the time. I am now and there's no kids. There's nothing really tying me down. And I kind of set off into the world. I spent a bunch of time in, uh, in in Africa. I spent a lot of time in India, Australia, and Southeast Asia. And it was really about um, really trying to find wow. that sense of of purpose for myself, and also for what came next. And also, you know, work through some of those internal struggles that uh, that that we all have as well. And it was it, it was amidst the backdrop of some pretty in interesting interactions that I had with some people. But the book initially, you know, it's, it's not a finance book. It's not how to save for retirement or anything like that. It was really my quest to try to find some sense of meaning and purpose in life, to be honest with you. I have a derailing question. How much yeah, do you course. think that has to do with your red hair? Uh, you know, I'll, it's actually I'll, 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 I'll tell you the story after. Go ahead. Yeah. <laughs> it might be the way the light's hitting it. It's more kind of like a, a blondish. You know, it's more oh. kind of like a like a dirty blondish, but uh, we can we can go with red. I might I might be getting some pink reflection off this shirt, maybe. Oh yeah, so no, you're you're not a ginger. No, no, no. Oh, it's... that's interesting. The lights got me. So I, I asked uh, one of my greatest mentors in life, Kevin Roche. Um, he was our health teacher in high school, okay. and uh, you know, he he had red hair. And then there's this TED talk from this guy about overcoming like how to not become offended, and uh, I learned a lot about Kevin when I heard that Ted talk, um, because, you know, I've got a brother who's redheaded too. So okay. lots of, lots of, you know, he's a redheaded stepchild for, for my father and was treated as such. Um, he's one of my best friends to this day. And so anyway, the, uh, they go through a lot of bullying and they go through a lot of self-discovery and self-awareness, um, a lot earlier than most people. And Kevin traveled the world like crazy and all the coolest stories about going places. So anyway, I thought that might've had an impact on. on yeah, There's definitely some wander in me for sure. I mean, when I was a kid, I, I was fascinated and passionate about maps, you know, like I said, I'm 50. So all the maps were paper at that point when I was a kid, but I used to look at these places around the world and the way that, you know, couldn't pronounce half of them, but the way they'd roll off your tongue. And I was like, I want to go there someday. And that was, that was, that was kind of a realization is the fact that, you know, wherever you, it's kind of an old, it's, it's a cliche, wherever you go, there you are. So, you know, you've still got it, you still got to 
to grapple with that. Right. But, uh, but I really had that in me and, and that, that year of, of intensive traveling, and I still travel quite a bit now. My wife and I, we got back from the kids we were in Scotland about a week and a half ago, but it's a different kind of traveling I'm doing now. But there was all, there's always been that in me to see what's over the horizon, I think. Absolutely. Speaking of family and kids, uh, what's your vision for you, Brent? You know, in turn, it's, it's really, it's, it's two parts. It's, it's first from a business standpoint. Um, I'm really passionate about what I do. I mean, to me, what an amazing gift to be able to come to work every single day. And I'm, and I'm walking along people as they're building and doing great, you know, great, amazing things in their lives. And, and, and my goal is to build the most high performing team that we can bring them, you know, solutions that they need, because, you know, it's, it's, we're in an economic planet. Let's not, let's not kid ourselves. And the fact that, I'm able to, again, participate with people that are doing so much cool stuff so intimately in their lives is just, it's, it's absolutely incredible. And so to continue to build out that team, continue to be part of what I really think, I mean, I'm, I'm hugely optimistic about, about the future in this country, particularly, particularly around the manufacturing, manufacturing sector, to be honest with you. I think one thing we've learned the last three, four years or so is, you know, is, is it worth it to save 2% to, to, to stretch your supply chain so thin you can't get what you need when you want it? And you're seeing, you are seeing a massive resurging here of, of uh, onshoring in the U.S. And those are some of the clients that we're serving, which for me is awesome. Um, and to, to continue to be a part of that's great. From a personal standpoint, you know, I, I've got this, the theory in my life that I try to run, the filter rather that I try to run a lot of my decisions through is when I'm 80 years old, I'm sitting on my rocking chair or sitting on my chair, maybe on my front porch. And, 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 uh, hopefully my wife is with us and his kids and his grandkids, you know, what am I, is, what am I going to regret? Will I have any regrets if I look back and say, I didn't do this or I didn't take that opportunity. And it leads to making some bigger decisions sometimes. Um, but, but, uh, I'd rather, I'd rather try and, and, uh, and, and miss, miss the, miss the ball, I guess, and then adapt and change and, and then keep trying, but I don't want to have any regrets. And so I think that, um, you know, taking opportunities thoughtfully, of course, as they come up in my personal life, being a good husband, first and foremost, good father to my kids, trying to raise, uh, in my case, two good, decent human beings. Um, that's, that's the driving, that's the driving, uh, purpose for me, at least at home, for sure. I love that. Um, and, you know, one of the one of the things you were clear about was, um, you know, not just like I didn't hear you just say my vision is to run my company for the rest of my life, um, you know, and, and without purpose. You had an extreme purpose associated with what you're trying to do with that. And, uh, you know, the and then, of course, your family is the foundation um, as well. And, and the fact that you guys that was one of the things that inspired me about you was the fact that you had had that Scotland trip. Right as we talked, and and you have this balance. Yep, there's the the blonde hair guy. I knew. Yeah, there is. <laughs> that, 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 must actually, dyed my, your hair. My wife actually, believe it or not, said to me like two weeks ago. She goes, "You got to change your profile picture online on your website." I'm like, <laughs> oh, "Why?" She's like, "You don't look that young anymore." That one's got to get changed. I get that all. People, yeah, I got called a chameleon on the last episode. Actually, he's like, "You look different every time I see you." And I'm like, "Yeah, no. yeah." Um, well, that's what happens when you build a brand. Uh, lots of photos out there. Um, so the, the, uh, let's, let's anyway, uh, I want to return back to that. So yeah. I, I certainly appreciate that as a father myself, um, you know, seeing people who, who don't leave their families as a footnote, um, right. you know, and, and I, I don't catch that about you. Um, you, you know, you seem to really be in line with that. I will say like, so on the, on the website, there's a tagline about, you know, we really take interest in our clients' lives. 
I'm ex- yeah. I'm always excited to learn more about the depth um, of that reality and and the commitment to the depth. We're not going to dive into it right now, but that would be my my challenge on the surface. I hope that video next to that dives into that. And if not, I hope you guys do take the time to clearly articulate that because the one thing that that I hear when consulting with companies so often is that line, and then there's no depth. And the market and I both know, like, there's no depth to this. It's just it's the same thing everybody else says. Yeah, you know, well, what, you, what are you doing to showcase that? You're nailing something there in the sense that, uh, and I actually came back recently. Uh, we we do kind of virtual, we do big virtual kind of reviews. We have everybody, and then of course on the one-on-one stuff. And one of the things that we incorporated nice. starting in Q4 with our clients is I came across this. It was a visual to me. It was absolutely enlightening. We'll put it that way about mm. financial planners, financial service business on the top was, it was a heat map. It was what are people saying they're providing? The bottom is what the clients want. And they're like perfectly aligned. Like everybody in my business huh. says that they're, they're providing what the clients want, but the disconnect was what do clients feel like they're getting? And, and then there's a total disconnect in the business. And are we guilty of that? I mean, maybe that's what I'm trying to find out. And so, you know, I led, I led my, uh, my Q3, my Q3, the virtual we have with everybody that wants to, to hop on live, uh, can hop on live and we, we record them and we have them up we send it out after that. I kind of led with that. I said, Hey, to the extent, to the extent that we are not meeting this, this, uh, this priority that everybody has, then, then we're really going to try to spend a lot more time on, on some of those other issues. And so, yeah, so to your point, I think, I think so. And I think that, that in terms of the, you know, that ability to, to, to dive deep with clients, it also, it comes with the amount of clients that you have, that you can serve. And if you've got, at least in my business, there's a lot of math around the maximum amount of households you can, you can effectively cover and deliver the level of service that we're hoping to. If you got thousands of clients, it's never going to work. If you have hundreds of clients, you know, like multiple hundreds of clients, it's not going to work. So, you know, we've got to be really selective about, about who we're, who we're bringing in, or you have to expand, or you got to bring in the personnel and the manpower to be able to take care of everybody in the way that they deserve to be taken care of. That's right. Um, absolutely. So you, you said something. And then you even redirected it as a wise leader would. You talked about how, you know, if we're not doing that, then we need to. And then you came back and you said, to the extent that we're not doing that. And yeah. I was going to add in too, you know, if anybody can judge you from the surface or, or me from the surface, it's, you know, as you said, to the extent of where are we guilty, um, right? Of, yes. Of not providing a certain type of service or where is the opportunity to level up and, and, you get that super well. So thank you for, for hitting well, that. I wish more, I wish more providers out there, um, you know, would, would could have the ability to recognize that they're not perfect at what they oh, do. And that's yeah. okay. Absolutely. And, and, and we, and we definitely recognize that. I mean, one of the things that as we're doing, you know, it's, it's, it's always an agenda item on what are on one-on-ones with clients when we're sitting down with them is, is what can we do better or differently? Because we're, we're missing, we're missing the mark on something. I mean, you know, my wife, who I love more than anybody else on the planet, um, and my children as well, like we're, we're all missing the mark on something every single day, you know, so, so, to, so to pretend it's going to be absolutely perfect. It's just, it's just not. Um, but yeah. to the extent we can continually try to improve and that's what we're trying to do. To pretend it's actually perfect is depression. Um, so. yeah, well, yeah, yeah, <laughs> it's, it, it's, a, it's a great line. I like that. You inspired it. So thank yeah. you for that. Uh, we we will tag team when people tag us in the memes out there that that quote just put Brent and Jackson um, just put us both right on it. Yeah. So diving into uh, a little bit of a darker subject. 
Um, Brent, what's the worst leadership experience you've ever had? Ooh, you know, that's, that's a challenging one because as always, uh, I like to look forward, not back. I, I did have a few people that, that in the past that I would say maybe we're, we're not the best leaders. I would also say probably in the past myself, I've probably have done some things where people that have worked with me might've said the same thing, but, but rather than, than, than call people out, what I would probably say is, um, you know, the, the word, and I, I look at it, I look at it today, even in terms of where we are really around the world. It's like, who is the visionary? Who, who can set the, who can set the course that, that people want to follow? And I, and I feel like, you know, a leader, somebody that's put in a great position of power, but has a complete and total inability to articulate what it is you're trying to move everyone towards is the worst leadership you can possibly have. And in, unfortunately, I do think we have a lot of that. We have a lot of that in, in around right now. So I think you could, you probably pick several people, but in terms of who, you know, who, who would impact me perhaps personally, you know, there's, there's been, sure. There's been people throughout my, my, uh, professional career where you, look you don't have and, to call anybody out. Yeah. I mean, let me, the, the, the point more so is just that, that lesson of transition, um, you know, or like the, the principle that you caught right. in the reality or the, the vice that you saw that was hurting. I mean, that's really the big thing. I know you've, you've worked in leadership, um, quite extensively. You, you had to be a good leader as a, as a young guy to go start traveling the world. Um, you know, like that's, that's a, nobody who's a, if you're, if, if you're traveling, you're a leader, um, like period, you know, nobody takes that risk without having a leadership bone in them. So, yeah. So where, yeah. where does that lead you? You know, I, I think in terms of what, in ter from a traveling standpoint, I, no, I think I'm sorry. In terms of this, you can be that, but leadership yeah. and the worst things that you've kind of seen or, or, or uh, experienced. Yeah, I think it's a couple things. I, I do believe that fundamentally, I think most people are pretty decent. I think most people around the world, you know, here in the United States, around the world, they want to they want to live in peace. They generally want to be left alone. They want to do their thing. Very few are actually maliciously bad people. Though some of those exist as well. Um, you know, and so most of the time, where you get bent out of shape with with someone, generally, they're not trying to 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 cause a problem. It's just they're so locked into their own thing. That they're not seeing the periphery around them, but I think that you know the number one thing as a leader that you could that you can have is is two things. I'd say natural curiosity about people. Like if you if if you find people interesting and you which you obviously do, if you find people fascinating, then there, I think people are going to be magnetized toward that. And I think also a huge degree of empathy. You know, a huge degree in, in understanding that we're we're kind of all on this journey together. Everybody's journey looks a little bit different, but if you can the ability, even if you don't understand it or agree with it to put yourself on the same side of the table, at least momentarily as whoever it is you're dealing with to see, okay, well, what, what's going to be driving them? What's, what are they trying to achieve here? Is it at odds with what I'm trying to achieve? Is there, cause it, you're not always going to get, there's not always win-win. Let's be honest. This is we live in reality, but, right. but if you can have some, but you can make a, a, a concession in terms of, you know, what is the least important thing maybe you can give an inch on and they can make that decision as well. And then maybe you can find consensus. Win-win's possible, but it's not always going to be the case. Sometimes you just got to find that consensus, but you can't really do it unless you have some empathy. Well said. And I like that you talked about how, um, you know, it was, uh, some people might say it was watered down. Um, I just think it was respectful. Um, and I think, again, there's a lot of wisdom in, in what you talked about, whereas leadership often occurs when we are leading out of selfishness. hundred yeah, um, percent. And so we're, you know, if we're, and I see this happen a lot um, in the multi-level marketing world. Um, it's yep. a very easy market to recognize that because you got a lot of brand new and experienced leaders trying to lead towards a cause they don't really understand yet. 
And that's how they're taught to lead is I don't really understand this, but come and see my thing. Uh, come and see the party. Come and see what we're what we're up to. We're not going to tell you what it is. Right. And yeah. why are you doing that? Because you want to sell somebody on something, you know, and sure, it's changed people's lives. But that's that's kind of the afterthought. And that's so, that's not. Yeah, I agree with that. And the thing is, too, is I think in any kind of deal, um, if you're if you're just looking to make one deal and I don't care what it is you're doing or selling you got to really think about like what's what's going to put the relationship in place where i can make five more after this you know and and so it's you know it's it's not always about um you know extracting every single concession that you can get or extracting every single dime from it from a situation it's it's really about okay you know understanding that that whatever whoever it is you're dealing with you know they've got their agenda they've got their also a tremendous amount of value in many cases they're trying to bring to the table and they need to be compensated for that so how, how do you how do you how do you balance all those things out where where everybody can get as close to winning as possible anyway? Lots of practice, right? Right. Well, yeah, lots and lots of, of listening. Lots of listening, lots of practice. Uh, James Malinchak, uh, silly guy, he knows it. Um, he actually owns that, but says the uh, he says don't work harder, don't work smarter, do the right work. Um, and I, I think if you combine all three of those, you're better off. Work hard, work smart, and do the right work. Yeah. Um, but that right work aspect you've got to listen in order to know what that is. So what would you say your best leadership experience has been in life? You know, I had several of those. I'd start with my dad for sure. And it's obviously predates the business world, but actually not really. Um, You know, he, he always instilled in me, I think a, 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 I don't know how he necessarily did it being a father myself, but he was, he managed to, to have that fine line between being very, very, difficult in some cases and having and having hard and fast rules that he would bend or break when he needed to um and how do you how do you do that and still have the rules mean something do you know what i mean like it, it's a case yeah. where he always encouraged me to to be on my own two feet but but i always knew that he was that he was there you know and so i would say that that my father particularly particularly powerful early on and even from a business standpoint i remember you know he got me when i turned 10 i grew up in new jersey he got me a lawnmower and he said, all right, you know, your job now is you're, you're, mm-hmm. you're taking care of the grass. And we had a lot of it in New Jersey. And he said, if you're smart, you take you would go around the neighborhood here and see who else needs their, their yard cut, you know. And I did. And I was, you know, at the time I was 10 years old. And this is in 18, 1983. You know, this is a while ago. And I was making like two, three hundred bucks a week in cash back then. You're just cutting everybody's grass. Um, and, and like there's a lot of lessons like wow. that. A lot of lessons that were instilled in me. My dad was a very entrepreneurial guy. And that and that a lot of those lessons hit home. Um, once I kind of got in, in into the, the professional world, when I wound up in New York, and some really phenomenal people that I knew that I knew from the floor. That uh, uh, one guy who's a he's still a phenomenal friend of mine, a mentor of mine, a guy named Dan. And Dan was again, I think a, a commonality is that they were tough. They had demands. They, you had to do the job. You know, there was there wasn't coddling. There wasn't there wasn't everybody gets a trophy. There wasn't that, but there was also an enormous amount of empathy behind that. Like you were being you were challenging people pushing them further than they thought they could, than they co- thought they could go. And, and as a result, you made a stronger person that needed them less, if that makes sense. Yep. You know, and, and so there, so that, that to me was extremely powerful. And then also too, you know, once I've, once I've kind of migrated over to this side of the business, we're really fortunate where uh, with my broker dealer and RA is Raymond James. So it's, it's a big company, but we have a lot of independence from them, but my regional guys are fantastic. I think that they, they do, they are truly there to support my business uh, I don't really have a boss. They're the closest things I, I have to a boss, but I would say that uh, 
you know, to, to Bill and Sanjeev and Casey, if you guys, if this, if this get, makes it to you guys, I think are phenomenal leaders, at least for the entire West region. So there's a lot of those. There's a lot of people I've been fortunate enough to come across in my life. That's awesome. Um, you know, I, I learned the quote far, far later in life than I uh, wish I had, uh, that great leaders are also great followers. And I, I see that action taking place um, with the way that you talk about your regionals with such high regard, um, even though you're a leader yourself. Yeah, you know, I, I think I think you, you, it's a great point is I think that really great leaders, they they want to try to bring out and maximize the absolute best of the people that uh, that they're in charge of to the point where almost, you know, because the risk of that is, is now that you've you've created, I, I think this is always in the back of people's minds. Now you've created somebody that doesn't need you you know, that they can, that can go off yeah. on their own. And maybe, maybe if you're leading a group of people from a business perspective, now you got somebody that's so good at what they do. They've got leverage over you first of all, because you know, now they're, they're good. They can go somewhere else. Um, or they could jump and do their own thing. And, and, you know, and you've got, you've got to have that, you've got to be able to create that environment where they continue to expand and grow. And, uh, and you got to promote that. I'm, I'm, I'm a huge, huge advocate of that, of trying to, of, of, and, and hopefully, you know, as a leader, at least in our business, I think about this is, is we're growing and expanding fast enough that they've got a place here and they, and they, and they can, uh, and they've got a future here and they see a future here. So there's not necessarily that desire to hop someplace, someplace else. Yeah, absolutely. All right, Brent. So if this was, uh, your last opportunity ever to share a powerful lesson with visionaries, What's a powerful lesson other visionaries can learn from your experience? You, you have to actually take the time to create and craft that vision. I think that, that one of the things that we're all challenged by, particularly those of us that are very busy, is you're carving out time to do all these other things that you need and have to do. But you really need to separate yourself, in my case, at, le at least once a quarter and sit down and take preferably a day. But even if it's a five, six hour block and really think about, all right, what is it? That I'm trying to accomplish because, you know, there's, I think, I forget who, who, who coined this it could have been Tony Robbins or somebody like that, but people often overestimate and paraphrasing it, what, what they can do in one year and they vastly underestimate what they can do in 10. And I think that's really, really true. You know, and, and what you find is uh, another great book, Atomic Habits. It's like great these, it, these, these little decisions that you're making, they really do compound over time. But you have to be really thoughtful in terms of what what decisions are you making every single day and and, and break it down to chunks. You know, um, Attraction, another great book that talks about really breaking it down to your big rocks and and focusing on them every quarter to get yourself where you want to go. But you can't you can't get there from a visionary standpoint if you actually don't take some time to consider what your vision is. One of my favorite things about this interview has been your willingness, your openness to reference your sources. Um, you know, I don't, I don't have a lot of people who come on the show that, that just steal a reference or steal a quote from somebody. Um, I, I don't think I've had anybody who's done that noticeably. I have had people in my past who do that. <laughs> it's like, why not? Why not? Why are you in such a scarcity mindset that you feel like you have to own the quote yourself? Um, there, there's just, there's a, there's a strong balance and appreciation in my opinion for leaders who openly give credit because they are aware of the abundant value that they're already giving. Um, so I would say any visionary listening in, um, that's an awesome opportunity to learn from. Go ahead. Well, and I'll tell you too, I mean, one of the, when I jumped from from being on the institutional side of the business, I was, a, I was 
you know, successful enough for sure when I was on the trading side of things. And that was not because I was some brilliant trader or had some incredible insight. The market structure was different back then for sure, which, which, which allowed, you know, a lot of, uh, a lot more, I think a lot more opportunities to be a point of sale. But more than that is I would go around, we had about 40 in our group and there were five to 10 guys that were just awesome. And all day long, I'm kind of circulating around those guys. Hey man, what are you seeing? What's going on? Cause they're probably seeing something that I'm not. When I got into this side of the business, when I say this side, you know, the retail side, more working with the investing public, a gigantic mistake that I made early on was I was going to rewrite the book, man. I was going to do it my way. And, uh, and you learn really quickly. It's like, all right, first of all, you're just making it much harder on yourself. And secondly, if you've had people that have invested time and energy and their own bandwidth into, into, into trying to get from A to B as quickly and efficiently as possible, then piggyback off that. Those are, those are really easy lessons. Um, not easy lessons, but they're lessons that are readily available. And even, you know, if you, if you read a lot of those, those types of books and follow a lot of those type of people, which I do, there's really nothing, there's nothing groundbreaking or new. It's packaged and re repackaged differently, but sometimes you just get something that resonates where you, you hear it you might have heard it in five other variations in the prior six months but but one day it hits you and you're like yeah. the light bulb goes off and you're like oh wow okay that that's that's how i can apply it or a new situation that's arises huge. in your own life and you can and now you see where the application is absolutely huge and i i was able to find it and i miscredited i said bill gate said that quote the most people overestimate what they can do in one was year it bill gate? okay <laughs> bill gate not Bill Gates. Yeah. I, I wrote it wrong there. So we're, we're Bill good. Gate. Okay. Um, that's right. Um, you use in your application, you submitted something that was also uh, just beautifully said to me. Um, we're orchestrating futures, facilitating dreams and sharing in the gift of their financial journeys. Um, yeah. You know, and I, I love that you included your, your, yourself, your own brand in that reality. Um, a lot of people uh, don't, I don't know if it's just out of uh, like, hey, it's your finances, not mine type thing. Um, and so they they break away from that. But um, tell me about this quote. Yeah. You know, I think that, again, when I talk about walking alongside people and as they're building out these incredible lives and, and that is that is truly a gift. I mean, I've and, and when I wrote this to you, I had a client that, uh, that that bought a pretty cool place in, in, in a beautiful part of the world. And we had like a long discussion about whether they should be doing that or not. And to me, it was really clear. Yeah, go for it. You know, you've got the resources. Go ahead and do it. This is what the money's here for. As long as you're not doing something to blow up your future, you know, that in this case, it can make complete sense. Go ahead and do it. But, you know, as I got off, as I got done with those conversations, because it was a couple, because it was a pretty significant place, I was like, wow, how cool is this? You know, like here's here is a case where this family had had a, a lot of success and got themselves to the point where they could realize this dream. And I'm part of that conversation and that it, it just, it was awesome. You know, it was really, it was exciting because it's, you know, I, I like, I like, uh, the, to participate in a win like that is pretty cool. And there's yeah. a flip side of that too, you know, personal journeys for people also can involve a lot of really challenging times as well. And, and, you know, you're here, you're here for, for that also. And I think that, you know, with our clients anyway, Early on, a lot of it's business because every you know everybody's kind of feeling each other out, and even to the extent that we are as well. Because I'm trying to, I'm trying to really determine what it what is expected of us, you know, and how do we necessarily need to adopt and tailor what our service model is going to be to them, based on their needs. Because it is different for everybody. I, mean, I got a client that is over in India, a ton for business, 
And he has said to me in the past, he's like, look, dude, he's like, I never want to do Zoom again. He's like, we're either sitting down <laughs> in front of each other for a cup of coffee or it's a phone call because I'm tired of this. And I don't, you know, you don't need to be checking in on me as frequently as you are because when I'm home, I want to be home, you know, that type of thing. And you've got other people that, that really want a lot of hands-on, a lot of high touch. And you got to figure that out. But once we've gotten kind of past that point, if they're longer term relationships and people we've been with for a while, maybe 10 to 15% of any interaction we're going to have is going to be something that has to do with the business side of our relationship. And the rest is everything that's going on personally. And I think that, uh, and that's going to be, I think for most service related businesses, but particularly for mine, as a lot of these tools come online in the next five years, which are going to be absolutely extraordinary, that's the piece that can't be replicated. You know, the, the, the back office stuff and the stuff you're doing behind the scenes and crunching the numbers and that, that, that stuff is going to get replaced. Or, and, and so the, so what can you use that technology to leverage? And it's the personal relationships. I mean, that's, if, right. if it frees you up to, to really try to dig in and find out what, what this person or people are trying to accomplish and what makes them tick. Uh, and every hour I can spend doing that and not on, on some of the more operational stuff is an hour that, that, that grows the business and expands the business. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Um, uh there's a subject I, one side of me wants to just dive down into, and that's the, uh, the staying together or going through the divorce aspect. Cause there's so many yeah. finance aspects around that. I'm going to leave that where it's at though. Cause I think people understand that, um, you know, who, who are on one side or the other, they understand there is a certain cost, um, to that as well as opportunity. And it's good to have advisors from different angles regarding that process. Um, so skipping through that back to weaving purpose and a financial advisory, um, you've done, you've showcased that a lot of ways throughout the show, but let's hit that head on for a little bit. Um, we got a few minutes left, so um, I just want to give you the mic time in, in regards to weaving purpose and a financial advisory. Um, what other principles do you want to talk about? I think it starts with there. In fact, if we anybody that we meet for the first time, we've got a we've got a number of different points that we're trying to get into. We don't we don't get into the money until last. Uh, we actually start with values. We start with what, what's your value system? Because you can kind of determine a lot from people in terms of how they answer that question. If, if you get them, if you get them in a very open, honest space. Um, and one of the things that, that we'll always do is I want to ask, you know, give me, give me your top value or something. Cause most people are going to say family. I'm going to, I'm going to ask for three to five because by the time you get to three and four, now they're thinking, and it's going to open up, it's going to open up a lot, a lot of broader discussion. And then beyond that point is the goals. And then we get into the key relationships and then we get into other you know, experiences they might've had with different professionals. Uh, and then we're getting into how they want to be engaged. And at the very last part of that conversation, usually everybody walks in if we haven't met them and they're leading with that. Um, if they've come prepared, they've come with all the paperwork and the documents and the statements and everything that they want to talk about uh, from the money aspect. But we, but we actually very intentionally, we, we try to, we, we go there last because it's again, the money, I, f I fundamentally in my core believe this. I think that, that uh, as I mentioned before, it's not good. It's not bad. It's a completely amoral force that can be chance like water, <laughs> you know, you what water can, you can channel it, direct it. You can, you can do whatever you want with it. Money is very much the same way. It's stored energy and it, and it's going to amplify what is important to you. Um, and, uh, and, and especially if you haven't taken any time to think about what's important to you, because if, you, if you've at least taken that time, then you can, might realize that, some of the things that you on the surface level or, or sort of instinctively think are important really aren't. And then you get a change in mindset there. Uh, and, uh, and then maybe that money can be redirected towards something that's truly going to make you happy instead of the quick fix or the quick hit or that type of thing. Uh, so, so that, that, that is, I think, you know, the, the vision aspect of it's important. 
um, from that's from the you know the client perspective, from our from our perspective. And this is what you know, sometimes you have these moments that really strike you. And I was at a conference about pre-pandemic times, so we're talking probably eighteen or nineteen. It was a group of of advisors, and everybody that was in the room was pretty successful. But um, the the person that was leading the discussion basically said, "What's <clears throat> what's the biggest challenge you have with your business right now?" And and the woman answered, "My clients." And I thought to myself, "Well, that's." tragic i was about to use an expletive there that is absolutely tragic if you are in this business and your clients are your biggest problem that's absolutely because then you know you, you, you're true you, you it's you're in the wrong business you're in the wrong business where where i think that uh from from my perspective it is okay we've got you know this this journey that we're trying to navigate together the money like i said it's not going to make you happy but it is massively important because it buys you optionality and if we can if we can engage with these people and hopefully add value along the way and maybe even you know, open some doors in their perception for what's possible in their lives. And that's exciting. And that's, that's a massive win. And it's and the industry itself is fantastic and incredible, incredible because it changes every day. Some days and some years are better than others, but for the most part, it's constantly evolving, constantly changing. And it's so deeply embedded in everybody's life that if you like people, then it's a phenomenal business. So I think the vision is again, trying to make sure that we stay competitive, um, lead from a hopefully from a from a from a thought leadership perspective as well move the ball forward continually expand and grow uh because this is a business definitely for sure if you're not growing you know you're going to wither on the vine and uh and deliver the best possible service we can in a way that is going to adapt to what i believe are transformative changes coming in the next five years that is so well said i think that it's going to be hard for some people to catch because and I, and I mean that like to, to realize the value you just threw down and it it reminds me a lot of heart path and journey for how we do things at first class business. Like, so you, you laid out six key factors about how to weave purpose into financial advisory. And it was so articulate that I was able to write it down while hosting, listening to the rest of your story, values, goals, key relationships, people they're working with engage desire, uh, their desire to engage and the money and, and then you, sum that up by by saying hey this basically encapsulates vision um yeah. and i had no disagreement with that whatsoever i was like this is yeah if you if you really did define each one of those things in your own personal life um even if you're not working with brent um and then then afterwards you know after those first five steps start looking at your finances the depth the direction with which you're then headed for establishing that financial base is far more clear than if you were to start with the finances and not think about any of those other aspects. Thank you for gifting us with that. That was awesome. No, my, my pleasure. My pleasure. And I think too, that, you know, again, a lot of our core, our, our target and core clients are people that might be in the next five years, you know, having that transition, like they might say their purpose is their business. And I would, I would argue that's part of your purpose. I mean, I think that, right. you know, that this, it's a vehicle I, I think, for me. Yeah, it's absolutely. A it, it's not a even part of me. It's a vehicle. It, yes, a hundred, a hundred, I, and I agree. I, I agree with that one thousand percent. And I, I think there's personal purposes and there's and there's business life purposes as well. And and hopefully your your business or whatever you're engaged in is is aligned with that. But yeah. if, if this is what I think really hurts people on the transition side, where we really you know we want to engage them hopefully two to three years at least before they really think that they're ready to make this exit because it's really it's a three-pronged thing it's you know how do you get the business ready to sell uh, because most people it's just not 
you know, there's too much of their personal life is kind of tied into the business. You got to normalize things and, and, and really find out what the market is out there for it. And then secondly, you know, financially, can, can you, can you do the, what you want to do? But the, but the reason these things fail, the reason, the reason a major business transition, the majority of the time is going to fail is because, you know, that person is transitioning out or selling the business or they might be bringing on a partner. They've never taken the time to clearly think about what's important for them outside of a dollar sign or outside of just being done with the business and retiring. Well, what does that mean? You know, like, what does it really mean? Well, then we're going to go and we're going to buy a house on this, this particular area and I'll play golf during that. Okay. And th then what? Well, you know, and, and, and there has to, you know, there's got to be, there's got another phenomenal book, you know, you, Victor Frankl, Man's Search for Meaning, one of my all time yeah. favorite books. And you look at the people in, in the, in the worst of circumstances that, that were able to not only survive, but also, um, you know, it, it, in the wake of all of that, you know, gain meaning, yeah, gain strength where people had a reason for the pain and a reason for the suffering. And that was under, that was in, for those that haven't read the book in a Nazi concentration camp. So it really can't get much worse than that. But right. imagine if, if you found that person and that reason to get up every, that purpose rather, and that reason for getting up every single day where life's overall pretty good. And for the vast majority of us relative to what human history has looked like, this is a miracle what we're experiencing every single day yes it is and, you know and and so if you can you can bring that level of that level of clarity and purpose it's just it's going to trickle through to everything else absolutely and everybody listening in um one one final quote from myself would be good is the enemy of great um so be careful yeah. um with with cushy brand this is awesome uh where where can people reach out to you yeah, we got some, I, the only social media platform I'm active on is LinkedIn. That's how, that's how we find each other. And I will say, you know, the cool reason that we're having this conversation, because I love LinkedIn. I think it's an amazing platform. I don't like all of a sudden it's like you get the email, like, you know, like let's you, you, basically it, it's not an, if you can, if you can work LinkedIn in a way where it's an introduction and it gets to know each other, it's a really powerful tool. And I think you guys were really effective at doing that, which is why we're having this conversation right now. Thanks. So LinkedIn, so LinkedIn, I'm, uh, I'm actually, in other words, LinkedIn. I didn't send you a message that said, Hey, we have five mutual connections that neither one of us talked. No. To. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, no, it's good. All it, my case studies, you know, it, oh, you should hire us. Yeah. And it led to a conversation offline. It led to, what I think is a great conversation today, but no, LinkedIn no. we're on their uh, website is mpadvisorsaz.com or smartmoneysimplified.com. It'll, it'll go the same place. Um, cool. phone number in here is 602-255-0555. Uh, either Andy or Kayla or Susan will pick up and they've got access to my calendar. But if anything, if anything we talked about today resonated with anyone, hey, I'd love to have that conversation. And, and Jackson, it's been, a, it's been awesome being here with you today. Awesome. Everybody, you heard that. Uh, you have the ability to call now too. pick up the phone, give them a call. Also, we'll, we'll drop, of course, the links and the landing page once that's ready. Um, vision Pros, if you have a vision to share, don't hesitate to join us on the platform. Of course, um, if you can like, comment, subscribe, all that stuff means a lot to us. Uh, definitely helps us promote the show and and get it out there more and, and bless more lives. Um, if anything, if you have any final questions too, Drop those in the comments. We're happy to forward them to Brent. Make sure to tag him and and let him know if, if you are on a platform that's not LinkedIn, we will still facilitate helping make sure that he's aware of that. So thank you everybody for your support and we will see you on the next episode. Everybody have a great rest of your day. Bye.
Thank you for being here today. I'm really happy that you tuned in to Vision Pros Live. I'm looking forward to seeing your reactions as these episodes continue to move forward. This is going to get more and more fun. We'll have more and more engagement as well. We'll invite people to participate in the show. 